good to have everybody here today. I uh, Hopefully this just means everybody's running a couple minutes late versus nobody's coming today. But either way, it's all good. I learned a long time ago, church, and lessons and preaching and teaching are always about who's there to hear them rather than um, who is not there. So it's all good. Does anybody have any interesting stories from your week? Anything interesting in your house happen? Yes, Sarah? Uh-huh. our kids were little, we used to do that with our friends all the time, put dirty diapers in their cars. Well, Sharon maybe didn't, but I, well, I did that to teens too. <laughs> Just leave something for them under their car seat. <laughs> like I say, Sharon's, her spirit's a little bit better than mine, so she didn't really do it as much. <laughs> Does anybody have any special prayer requests this morning? Anything special in your heart or mind? Yeah, Josh. Okay. Okay. Just remember her. Any other special prayer requests? Anything else? Yeah, Jim. Okay. 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 Just remember that. Anything else on your heart, on your mind? Okay, well, let's remember our services today. Uh, let's continue to pray for our uh, our country, uh, both with decisions our leaders are making with regard to uh, uh, COVID that uh, affect so many people, uh, and uh, everything that's still going on with the election. And uh, just pray that uh, every legal vote would be counted, that people would be able to keep confidence in the integrity of our elections, however that turns out. I mean, that's the most important thing. Uh, does, if you have an unspoken request, you can just lift your hand. All right. Uh, George, please some prayer, please. Go ahead and get in your Bible to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And 
uh, be sure uh, Sharon's going to give you one of those little squares. Make sure you, uh, at the end of class, write something down. We give it to you now so that if something comes in your mind during the class, you can write it down. Uh, as always, just going to begin answering some questions you turned in. Question number one, how can we teach our child to be a leader when they tend to be a follower? Uh, the first thing I think is that there's nothing wrong with being a follower. <laughs> I mean, everybody's a follower in some ways at times. In fact, the best leaders are generally people who are groomed and shaped by being good and faithful followers. Now, if your child is a follower to the point where uh, they can't make any decisions themselves or they give in to like uh, every negative peer pressure I mean that's a problem and, and you need to help them with that but I, I believe this if, if you focus on building your child's character uh, they will eventually end up being whatever they're supposed to be uh, listen there are so few people in, in our culture uh, that have good character that if you raise your child to value excellence and to have good character and work ethic, uh, all the things we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, uh, they will, because of their character, rise as a leader to whatever love, level their talent will, will take them. So I, I wouldn't worry about it unless, you know, there's somebody who just gives in to every negative thing or can't make a, a decision. I, I do not believe that everybody is supposed to be a leader of groups of people. I do believe that every Christian, by the grace of God, can become a good enough leader uh, in a male's case to lead his home and in a, in a, in a woman's case to, to be a parent. I believe everybody has that within them by, by the grace of, of God. Uh, question uh, number two, uh, is it okay to let our children help with chores that are often associated with the opposite gender? Uh, and this may disappoint some of you, but I actually believe it's good for boys to, uh, you know, do dishes and learn how to do laundry and, and to clean, just like I believe it's good for girls to be able to uh, use a handful of tools to change a tire to, to, to work uh, in, the, in the yard. I, I do not believe in, in this ultra-narrow definition of what it means to be uh, a guy and what it means to be a, a girl. Th those things are wider than, than some narrow in the cities in America in 1947. You know, I, I just think it's wider than that. Uh, on the other hand, uh, if you remember what I said, most kids, especially, uh, you know, from a Christian home, are going to just naturally identify with the gender God gave them. Uh, most. Uh, there are some, though, who will really struggle with this. And if you happen to have one of those, you know, you need to be real honest about your child's tendencies. And if you have one of those children, you have to do some more extreme things to help them identify with uh, the gender God designed them with. Hey, he chose them for you and he chose you for them, which means you, you can succeed. Uh, and this is a little crude, but... Uh, should I correct my kids from talking about uh, B-A-L-L-S? Uh, I have never liked that kind of crude talk uh, as a Christian and attempt to never speak like that myself. I'm talking about, you know, butt and darn and friggin' and those uh, kinds of, of things. Uh, but in our house, uh, those were not capital crimes. 
you know, if our kids did this, we just basically said, hey, don't talk like that. Um, you know, and if you want to make it a capital crime in your house, go ahead. Uh, you, you know, I think in those kinds of things, you always have to look at how many other, what, what are the big things you're working on in their life right now? And, and if you've got some other big things that are really going to hurt them in life or in their faith, focus on those and, and hold your nose on, on, on some of that smaller stuff. Now, on the other hand, if you don't have any other big stuff going on, I do think it's better to have, you know, cleaner uh, talk uh, as a Christian. Uh, question number four. Uh, what do you recommend to help us identify our child's strengths and weaknesses? Uh, the first and most important thing it takes you as a parent to identify your child's strengths and weaknesses is honesty. Uh, by the way, it's one of the most difficult things to have as a parent to honestly consider your child's strengths and weaknesses. And if you don't face that issue honestly, you will never identify them. And if you don't identify your child's strengths and weaknesses, you will make it far more likely that their weaknesses will deeply hurt them in life. You need to be honest. Uh, while I do not think it is ever wise to compare ourselves among ourselves, I think when you're trying to figure out your child's strengths and weaknesses, though I would never tell them I'm comparing them to someone else, I would keep an eye on what other kids their age are doing. You know, sometimes, you know, we forget what it's like to be seven. Or we forget what it's like to be 13. And so, you, you know, I, I think honesty and, and some, uh, you know, what I will call private comparison to help yourself be honest, um, ask people their opinions who will be honest with you. Uh, what are the things your child is criticized for? Uh, I hope you understand that, by and large, most of the good feedback we will get will be from critics. That doesn't mean everything a critic says is right. That doesn't mean you take everything a critic says to heart. But by and large, if someone is criticizing your child for X, there's some measure of that, and, and you ought to consider it. And so, honesty, some private comparison... Listen to some criticism that you hear and, and then face it and work on it. Uh, question number five. Our family is criticized because the mom is the primary disciplinarian. How should we deal with this? Uh, the first thing I think is that you should worry more about what's actually true than what people are saying. Um, I also think that if you ever want to get any better as a person, as a Christian, you need to stop shooting the messenger. See, when you shoot the messenger, you never hear the message. I mean, and understand that some critic is going to answer to God for them being a critic, and you're going to answer to God for you being able to sort through what's being said and take the parts that are good and working on those. And by the way, um, again, it might disappoint you, but I don't have any issue with a mom being the primary disciplinarian if... The dad is involved, he's publicly supportive, and he's doing the best he can within his natural disposition. Uh, listen, almost always, every couple are two opposites. Almost always. W which really means you're going to have one person that wants to crack heads and one person that, you know, wants to take it easy. <laughs> all, all right? And you've got to work through that. And... and uh, 
Maybe it's just a good wake-up call for Dad. Uh, some interesting but not always serious quotes. Uh, it kills me to see them grow up, but it would kill you more quickly if they didn't. Uh, here's another one. Children are a great comfort in your old age, and they help you get there faster. <laughs> uh, just a couple of practical thoughts, uh, some pointers for parents. Here's the first one. Faith in God and how you've raised your children involves risk and allowing them to make mistakes. If you don't let your child make mistakes, they will never learn what it's like to face the consequences for what they do. All right? It is almost always when we fail that we learn the most. Uh, here's the second thing. Don't shield your child from all the consequences of their behavior, even when the consequences are painful. Uh, number three, too much freedom for kids making spiritual decisions is inconsistent with other decisions we force upon them. Dentist, doctor, schoolwork. Uh, I, I, it, it is baffles me that a parent out of one side of their mouth can say, uh, yeah, I make my kid do their schoolwork, and now the other side of their mouth, I don't make my kid go to church. Are they both good for them? Again, you've heard me say before, uh, I don't believe that if a, if a kid is saved and parents have lived a victorious Christian life, I think you get very little resistance to the things of God. Now, when a kid is not saved and parents have lived inconsistent lives, and by the way, they watch you at home, they hear what you say, they see your attitude about what you do and don't do, uh, and, and, and so you need to just fix that. We are today in week 11 of 15 weeks together on parenting. I don't have all the answers. I, I've seen a lot, been through a lot. And as always, we begin with the scripture uh, because God really does know what's better for our children uh, and for their life and for their eternity than, than we do. Last week, we started talking together about training and building character in, in our children. Remember, character is what we are. Reputation is what people think we are. And if we keep this in mind for ourselves and for our children, that if we are what we're supposed to be, then eventually our reputation will take care of itself. By the way, if we are what we're supposed to be, then we will do what we're supposed to do and be what we're supposed to be. And so our focus always needs to be as individuals and as parents on who our children really are. And character is learned behavior. It is something we should be working on all the time on ourselves and teaching our kids. Uh, there's a story told years ago out in the country about this dad who made his boys work uh, in the cornfield all day during the summer. Most of the other boys, they were just playing around and swimming in the creek and everything else. And one day, a parent was with that dad, and he said, Why do you make your boys work so hard? You don't need all that corn. And the old country farmer, he just looked at him and he said, I'm not raising corn, I'm trying to raise boys who know how to work. And um, character is learned behavior. Uh, as I said last week, salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. There is not a single work you can do to live forever. But understand that character, while it has little if, or nothing to do with our salvation has everything to do with our success in life. 
You can be saved and have no character and you will have a saved soul and die and go to heaven and you will live a miserable, painful life here and now because bad character produces a bad life. And nobody wants that. Every one of us here, we want our children to have faith in Christ, live forever. We want our children to have good character, success in life. Now, which gets us to our question that we're going to begin with today. What other kinds of character attributes do I need to teach our children? You know, one of the things now for several decades that parents uh, have been bombarded with in secular education and uh, all kinds of media is the importance of self-esteem. Uh, you may have experienced this or certainly heard of it, of teachers not giving kids an F on a paper that's a flunking paper because it'll make them feel bad. Teachers not using red pens to correct students' work because red is, uh, might hurt their fragile ego. Changing the grading system. Uh, having ball games where no one loses and no one wins. It's always a tie. All, all under the ed, uh, alleged self-esteem of children. Constantly bombarded uh, by this. In fact, our boys, when they were young, some of the teams they were on, when they got done, the coach would say it was a tie. And uh, we get in the car, and uh, I would say, how the game go? And I said, it was a tie. I said, well, what was the score? Well, it was 3-1. to one. Well, 3-1 to one is not a tie. Uh, you won or, or you lost. It, it is an amazing thing that the ability to count and be honest is less important than a, a kid's fragile ego. Listen, the, my kids, uh, when, when, they, when that was going on, they cared more about the snack. Uh, I mean, it was really all about the parents. It had nothing to do with what was good for the kids. Nothing. Uh, you may be surprised to learn the American Heritage Dictionary defines self-esteem as pride in oneself. I think everybody here is biblically literate enough to know that pride uh, is a huge sin in the sight of God. Uh, you may be surprised. Webster Merriam Dictionary describes self-esteem as confidence and satisfaction in oneself. And, you know, depending on what you mean by that, that could be good or bad. Let's think about some questions. Should making sure your children have good self-esteem be the focus of a Christian parent? Another question, is losing it something the worst thing could ever happen to your kid? Another question, what is good, healthy, biblical view of oneself to teach our children? Here's another question, is it good for our children to let them beat us at everything and every competition while they're growing up? By the way, I know parents have done that. Those are all good questions. James chapter 4, verse 10. James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Obviously, God is looking for and looking to bless those with a humble spirit. We're not studying it, but we could find places where it says God resists the proud and gives grace unto the humble. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are abomination to him, and first on that list, a proud look. God is looking to reward and bless humility. Turn back a few pages to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Hebrews 10, 
Notice what it says here. It says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. See, God's not only looking for humility. He's looking for healthy confidence. There is a kind of confidence that if we get it, we're not supposed to cast it away. By the way, you will never help your children have good, healthy self-confidence if you call them dirt balls and stupid and worthless and things like that. You will never help your kids have healthy self-confidence if it only comes when they win. We'll never give our kids healthy self-confidence as long as we teach them that the only place to get healthy confidence is for their peers to think well of them. There's not a person here who doesn't understand that our culture's criteria for wealth and beauty and personality and habits is very different from the way God looks at things. Um, you ever do things just sometimes because you want to just get angry about it? Everybody seen that show, Toddlers and Tierras? Um, I, I sometimes I would turn that on just to kind of get myself angry. Uh, when I think about how people are handling their kids, and I know you've heard me talk about this show uh, b- before. Uh, what, for those of you who don't know, it's basically these beauty contests for these kids that are between like 3 and 8 or 10, yeah, boys and girls. Man, how to raise a softy, effeminate girl, 101. I mean, boy, when you raise them like that. Golly. Uh Here's what makes me angry. They're teaching these little girls to find their self-confidence in how others view their beauty. That is a terrible way to set your kid up. And by the way, it doesn't, I don't mean this harshly, but it sounds harsh. If genetics mean anything, based on the way the mom and dad look, those kids are not going to be evaluated as being beautiful. Uh, hey, they're setting their child up for failure. That makes me angry. See, everybody here has been stomped on from time to time because of the way the world views you. It, yes, it's part of life. Yes, it's a part of growing up. But listen, you and I as parents, we need to give our children as much as possible the right kind of confidence so that it cannot be taken away from them about a, from a, by a culture who doesn't look at things like God looks at things. The right kind of confidence comes from thinking about ourselves like God thinks about us. By the way, in God's sight, there's no one who's worthless. He had a son die for you. In God's sight, everyone is loved. Uh, listen, in God's sight, everyone has a purpose to their existence and a plan for their life. No one exists who cannot do what God has designed them to do. There is a kind of healthy confidence. I know some people wrongly define it as pride, but there is a kind of healthy confidence that we need to attempt to give our children. Please don't decide that you need to constantly beat down and berate your children spiritually and emotionally to help them be humble. That, that is not a good method to build humility. Our children need a healthy confidence. They, need a great, they have a great need for humility. And it is this proper balance in confidence and humility that will give our children the right view of themselves.
a healthy kind of self-esteem. So here's the question. How can I help my child have a healthy view of themselves? Go please first in, in your Bible to 2 Timothy 1. How can I help my child have a healthy view of themselves? Second Timothy chapter one. Here's the first thing. How can I help my kids have a healthy view? So number one, teach them to believe that they're someone special and unique with potential and purpose in Christ. First Timothy chapter one verse eight says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor me as prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Here it is. Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Did you see in verse 9 that they were given a purpose and grace in Christ before the world began? Listen. Every child's purpose begins by getting saved, being in Christ. And nobody fulfills their purpose in life until they're saved. But each child has value because they're made in God's image and God loves them. And listen to me, God has a plan for their life and has gifted them. Every child has natural gifts from God. Natural gifts are not spiritual gifts. Unsaved people have them too. By and large, those are things that God has given every human being to make a living, to enjoy life, and to, and to succeed in life. Christian people also have spiritual gifts. It is a wonderful thing as a parent if you look for and help your child, children fulfill their natural gifts and calling and their spiritual gifts and calling. That's very different from society's message. Society gives human value based on athleticism, educational ability, beauty, build, talent, and wealth. Those things are nice, but they're not essential. Self-worth and value comes by finding and being what God made you to be. Listen, if your child is a CEO of a large company and God designed them to do something else, they will have no fulfillment in their heart. Healthy self-esteem does not come because a child achieves in the world, but rather because of their value to God. It does not come by your child being the best. Listen, our children need to believe that they have as much or more uh, than uh, other people. They don't need to believe they have as much or more than other people. They need to believe they have something. Have you ingrained that in your child? There is something you have from God that you can do. They do not have to believe they have more than others, but they must believe they can do something that matters. You could call this being comfortable in your own skin. For most of us here, it took years. For some here, you're not there yet. You're not comfortable with how God made you and how God gifted you. You're not comfortable with what God put you here to do and not do. And listen, that is one of the great steps in life, to become comfortable in our skin. And the younger we help our children do this, the better off they'll be.
comfortable in our own skin. Um, I, I often talk about uh, the home in which I was raised and uh, about some of the things my mom did. My, my mom was the primary disciplinarian in our house, if, if you would call what she did discipline her discipline was fly off the handle and hit you multiple times with whatever was first available to her hand. Uh, my dad's idea of discipline was watch mom do it. Um, you know, uh, if I often am, am critical of some of the things, and, and I've stopped a lot of that because my parents listen to our live stream, and I don't want to make my mom, mom feel bad. Uh, but one of the things my mom did a really good job at she completely convinced me and my sisters, completely convinced us that if we put our mind to it and worked hard, we could do anything we put our mind to. That was put in all four of us, my three sisters and me, for all the interesting issues we've had over the years, that that my mom put in us has never let us left us. That is a great gift to your child. To have them believe in their heart that their creator gave them something and made them something in Christ that if they would put their mind to, they could do. And this isn't just idle talk. We teach them this to a large degree by A, how we handle them, and B, how they watch us use what God gave us. You know, if you're not comfortable in your own skin and you're not comfortable with the way God made you and the way God didn't make you, how are you going to teach your children that? It is so important we get this victory in our life to be able to help them. And the very worst thing we can do for our children is put their view of themselves and their future in the hands of their peers. I mean, that is a terrible thing to do. And I'm talking including their peers at church. Listen, church people are just people. Some are good, some are not. Those who are not generally good sometimes are good. And those who are generally good sometimes are not. Don't leave their view of themselves in the hands of anyone else but themselves and God. I'm going to make a statement. I'm going to make it several times. This is a great statement on this subject. It is not the child with the highest view of themselves who succeeds. It is the child with the most realistic view of their strengths and weaknesses that succeeds. It is not the child with the highest view of themselves that succeeds. That's a lie of self-esteem. It is a child with the most realistic assessment of their strengths and weaknesses who succeeds. Listen, it's okay for your kid not to be the best at everything. It's okay for your kid to not be good at some things. It's okay to be okay. Our goal is to help them feel and see from their heart and find that God gifted them and gave them a purpose in life that they can fulfill. How can I teach my child a healthy view of themselves? Secondly, go to Exodus chapter 10. I know everybody here understands the importance of what I just said. And it is an ongoing battle. You say, how did your mom do it? I'm not exactly sure. I just know she always said things to us, you can do it. Uh, she would, as a, a little boy, she would have a jar 
And she would say, I can't get this open. Can you get this open? Oh, you're so strong. Uh, it was little things like that, uh, constant remarks like that, that caused us to believe that in our hearts, God gifted us and we could do what God made us to do. How do I help my children have a good view of themselves, teach them to believe they're unique and special with potential and purpose in Christ? Here's the second thing. How do I give my child a healthy view of themselves? Teach them a right view of who God is. Say, how do I how do that? Just teach them how God revealed himself through Christ in the Scripture. Listen, it is impossible to have a right view of yourself if you have a wrong view of God. Part of a healthy view of ourself is understanding who God is and who we are. Listen, if God is small and we're big, how can you have a healthy view of yourself? You'll be too big in your own eyes. You'll think you get to make the rules instead of God. If God is so big and distant that you're worthless, how can a person have a healthy view of themselves? You're too small. Listen, if you're a worthless piece of trash and a dirt ball to God, what are you saying about yourself? You say, Brother Wally, how can I teach my children a healthy view of God? Uh, start by getting this yourself. <laughs> Notice what it says in Exodus chapter 10, verse 1. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I might shew these my signs before him, and that thou mayest tell in the ears of thy son and of thy son's son. Wow, here's some advice for parents and grandparents. And that thou mayest tell in the ears of thy son and of thy son's sons what things I have wrought in Egypt and my signs which I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. When it comes to teaching our children the right view of God, don't be afraid to teach them what people call the tougher side of God. Hebrews 12, 29, our God is a consuming fire. Hebrews 10, 31, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. How, how about what Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, fear him which is able to destroy both body and hell, body and soul in hell. In this command in Exodus chapter 10, it involved teaching their children and grandchildren about plagues in which fish and animal were killed by the thousands and people as well. See, we're afraid to do this as parents because we're afraid our children won't like God as he is. And so oftentimes people make up a God that they think their kids would like better, and in the end they're not making their kids like God. They're making their kids like an idol that they call God. Teach them Bible stories like Jesus going into the temple and cleansing it. Teach them Bible stories like Jesus telling Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of uh, God, but those that be of men. Teach them Matthew 23 when Jesus speaks to the Pharisees and calls them whited uh, sepulchers and fools and vipers and, and, and all those kinds of things. Don't be afraid to teach them what people call the tougher side of God. Go in your Bible to Luke 23. Luke 23, we're talking about how, how do I teach our child to have a healthy view of themselves? They need to understand that they have a purpose and uh, they can do something and that there's a plan for their life in Christ. Teach them who God is. Teach them the tougher side of God. Look at Luke 23, verse 33. 
It says in Luke 23, 33, and when they were come to the place which is called Calvary. But by the way, the word Calvary appears one time in, in, in the Bible. It's in Luke 23, 33. And if you have a Bible other than a King James Bible, that word doesn't even occur in your Bible. It says, which is called Calvary, where there they crucified him, the malefactors, one on the right hand, the other on the left. Here it is. And then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and they parted his raiment and cast, raiment and cast lots. Here's the second thing. Don't be afraid to teach them about the gentler side of God. You know, a lot of parents are afraid to do this because they're afraid that their kids will just sin and not think anything of it. And so what they do is, unlike presenting a warped side of God where he's too gentle, they provide uh, this warped side of, 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 I'm sorry, instead of making this view of God where he's too tough, they provide a, a view where he's too gentle. Don't be afraid to talk about how God spared the thief in his dying moments. How Jesus forgave those who were driving the nails. How God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Teach him the mercy of God is everlasting. See, Brother Wall, if I uh, teach him that, they, they, they might not care whether they sin. They might not, they, they, listen, it's not your and my job to whitewash God. God is holy and righteous and just, and God is loving and gracious and merciful and kind, and it is the balance of both of those things that is a true view of God and helps us have the right view of ourselves. Remember, it is not the child who thinks the most of them who succeeds. It is the child who has the most realistic view of their strengths and weaknesses that succeed. How can I give my child a healthy view of themselves? Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 10. I don't, I haven't done it for a long time, but I, I used to watch that um, uh, American Idol show. I don't even know if it's on anymore. And I never watched it all the way to the end, because, and you, if you do it, that's your business. But to me, after a while, I got to be a rock concert, and I didn't care for it. I liked the initial round because I liked to make fun of the people who thought they could sing but couldn't. You know what I'm talking about. They, they would come out and they believed with all their heart that they were gifted and talented as a singer and an entertainer and they opened their mouth and sang and you thought to yourself, somebody has lied to you, sir, all your life. Listen, that's what happens when someone's not honest with their children about what their strengths and weaknesses are. Instead of just teaching that child, hey, listen, I know you want to sing. I know you want to be entertainment. You know what? That's not how you're gifted. Let's find how you're gifted. And so what they did is they set that person up literally to become a mockery in those cases of a nation. That's some parent's fault at some point. How can I give my child a healthy view of themselves? Uh, here's number three, and, and, and lastly, teach them to be sensitive to God's will for their life because they'll be better off if they do it. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12 says, And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, here it is, which I command thee this day, what are those last three words, for thy good. Listen, because God is good, 
His will for us and our children is also good. See, most people have this wrong idea that if they do what God has asked them to do in life, they will somehow miss something. That God is somehow this being is trying to keep them from fun and keep them from things that are actually good for them when in reality, God is the most ultimate loving parent and everything he has commanded us to do is for our good. Listen, teach your children that God has a will for their life and they'll be better off if they do it. Let me ask you as a parent, do you really believe that being sold out to God's will for their life is best for them? You know, I I actually, I mean, I was a youth leader for 20 years, and what I would say is if you're a parent whose real will, your real belief is that God's will is the best thing for your child, I would say you're a rare parent. Most parents want their children to have enough of God in their life to stay out of trouble. They want their child to have enough of God in life to, you know, uh, never move away. <laughs> you know, the reality is, is for the most part, they're probably, we probably need 200 uh, laymen for every one person in ministry. We, we probably need uh, 1,500 or 2,000 laymen for one missionary. Meaning, understand that that means that when you're afraid of God's will for your child's life because you don't want them sent to Africa or, or whatever, not only are you keeping them from something that would ultimately be good for them, you are also hurting them for life, being afraid of God's will, which by and large is to use their natural gifts in a secular world to make a good living, to have a good home, to have a good marriage, to raise children towards Christ and do something in one of the Lord's churches. I say, Brother Walla, how can I teach him this? Just be the kind of parent whose children watch you pray and talk about big decisions in your life like God's will matters to you. You ever talk about God's will? When you're considering a job or making a big purchase or moving or whatever, do, do your children, if they're old enough, do they hear you talk about what is God's will in this situation? How about this? Encourage them whenever they seek and choose to follow God's will in their life, especially when it costs them something. Just the other day I had a parent uh, come to me and and say, hey, you know, my teenager in in their class, they had a book the teacher asked them to read and they felt like it was too dirty uh, for them and they asked for a different book. You know what? You you, you ought to, instead of saying to your child, ah, you can do it, it'll be okay, you don't want to be set apart, you don't want everybody to think you're weird. You know what, I'm not talking about you as a parent forcing your convictions on them, but you know when your kid takes a stand for their faith, you ought to be there saying, hey, great job. And by the way, uh, the same application could be made in sports. Your kid wants to go to to church instead of their game. You need to go to their game. Listen, you're not helping your kid. If they want to take that stand, you, you support them. Support them. Point out examples as they come up of what happens in people's lives when they do the will of God. Listen, when our kids were growing up, uh, we pointed out teenagers and adults that we thought were setting good examples. And there were people we pointed out that we thought were bad examples. See how that worked out? Remember when they did this? See how that worked out for them? 
say, Brother Wall, if I do that, some of the people I point out as good examples might fall. Yes, and it happened. But you will always help them, pointing them toward the right thing. And here's the last thing. How about just live a victorious Christian life yourself? I personally believe, and you can take this or leave this, I personally believe the best thing you ever do for your child is live a victorious Christian life, to to have them watch you live like your faith matters, that it's helped you in your relationships, that it's helped you in life, so, some, so, so many people, they come to church and their kids watch them gripe and moan about church and ministry and their parents. They watch their bad attitude towards church and their good attitude towards other things and they subtly teach their child the greatest joy isn't in the church or the things of God or your spouse or, or family or, or home. Please do that for your kids because it's not the kid with the highest view of themselves who succeeds. It is the child with the most realistic view of their strengths and weaknesses who succeed. Should have a piece of paper, just put a little question, write something on it, fold it up, set it up here, I'll get them later. Next week we'll continue on with a new character attribute to to teach our children.